listening to sermons from South Point Locust Grove, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpoint.org. so good to see you here this morning and greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what a joy it is to be here and to share God's word with you today in the um, absence of your pastor Mark and um, again it's a it's a privilege and honor always to be here to speak God's word you belong to him you are his chosen people he loves you dearly and he proved it by giving you Jesus and so it's a privilege to speak and it's always an honor to uh, be in this part of time of worship as we recognize Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Um, as we come together today again, I'm just so thankful to be in this place once again and to, to see some of you that I've seen before and some of you I haven't seen before. Greetings, and it's glad to be part of this time together with you as you worship the Lord. And we're going to be continuing the study of the Gospel of Luke, right? That's where you are. And so if you are able and willing, would you please turn to Luke chapter 6? And uh, as is customary for me, I'm going to ask you to stand at the reading of God's word. So it's Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. Now, I said if you are willing and able. Now, if you don't fit those two categories, it's okay. You know, you're going to be just fine. But Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who also became a traitor. And he went down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word. And Father, we know that we can do nothing apart from your presence and your power and for your glory. So, Lord, we ask you to fill this place, fill your people, 
with your presence, that they may be able to hear and to worship you, that they may know your word, and that they might be changed by the power by which it is given and spoken from eternity. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. Now do the work that only you can accomplish in the souls and in the lives of your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, actually, I do that to make sure everyone stays awake. And so to get you to stand up and stretch out a little bit so that your blood is flowing. And now maybe you can endure this time together as we worship the Lord together. We've entitled this section of verses in the gospel according to Luke, following the plan of God, following the plan of God. Now, listen, when we come to worship in the church and when we come to the place of looking at God's word, I think oftentimes we forget to really connect with what's going on in real life in the lives of the uh, disciples in the life of Jesus. And oftentimes we detach ourselves from the truth as, as if though it's really not for us. It's just something we need to have knowledge of. And I want you to understand something, that God is still working, and he's called us to be part of his plan and purpose. So when it comes to fulfilling the plan of God, God's plan is still going, and you're a part of it, if you know Jesus. And so as we walk together through the word of God today, I want you to put your mind in this atmosphere that we are walking in the plan and purpose of God. In other words, I'm not just here to take time to deliver a message, to fill the pulpit for Mark, and as they are going out with the youth and, and doing that particular event, I'm here because God has appointed this day and he's given me the privileged opportunity to minister to his people. And this is a cherished time together. It may be the last time. It may be the only significant time that I get to put any information or any truth into your hearts and into your minds. So I count it a blessing and a specific glorious time to do God's will in, his, in this place in South Point. And so as we look at the word of God, I want you to see the truth of God and think about what's really going on in the plan of God. We must realize that God is moving forward according to his schedule. Now, that's difficult because we plan things. We have our own schedules. We think that our priorities are the priorities. And sometimes or another, we attach God alongside of our plans instead of realizing that God is the plan. His purposes ought to be accomplished, and he has a will that he wants to fulfill in our lives for his glory. And our plans, no matter how important they are, are secondary at best. And when we get to that point, if we ever get to that point, we will understand our relationship with God better. We would understand how to pay more attention to what he's doing in and around us. And we will be able to join God as he accomplishes his will and his purpose for us in our lives. But beloved, if we know this and understand that, we will realize that his action has profound effect or should have profound effect upon those who hear him and know what he is doing. And we see this totally in the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ walked with the Father, did everything the Father asked him to do, said everything the Father wanted him to say, and fulfilled every task that was given him to completion. And in fact, we understand when he died, he said this, it is what? finished. It has been accomplished. 
everything according to his life, and everything that was proclaimed in the word, every prophecy about his suffering, everything about what Jesus is and what he did was accomplished completely on the cross. And so therefore his life was filled with the plan of God. And Jesus said this, I do nothing apart from the Father. I only fulfill his will. So now as we look at Luke chapter 6, let's keep this in mind. As Jesus is living the life God sent him to complete, and Luke records this for us in his gospel. In verse 12 of chapter 6, it says this. Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus, that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. First of all, beloved, I want you to see the priority of access to the Father. Jesus is taking everything that he does and he's calling it before his Father to present it, to follow through, and to hear from the Father to do his will. It is a priority for his life because we see Jesus in the Gospel of Luke always praying to the Father. And so why is he praying? What is he doing? First of all, Jesus, as he walks in human flesh, is seeking the right direction. Not only is he seeking the right direction, he is, he is seeking also strength to complete his mission because he's walking under the authority of the Father. And also, he's seeking to maintain focus on God's will and purpose for his life. We must remember that not only is Jesus 100% God, but he's also 100% man. He's a human being. And this is what Luke sets out to show um, the people in Rome and to those who would hear that he is a man, but yet he is God. So he is gaining direction from God in his priority to access and to have access to the Father. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain, and here it is, to pray, to gain direction from God. But notice this also in verse 12. It says, and continued all night in prayer to God. He was devoted to God's will. All night in prayer. Have you ever been consumed with what is going on in your life where you spent all night in prayer? You know, when we find difficulties, oftentimes we pray less when we ought to be praying what? More. I was up a couple nights ago, and I woke up, it was about 4.30 in the a.m., and I was like, what in the world is going on? And I was just troubled. And I was like, okay, I'm going back to sleep. I tried to go back to sleep, and I couldn't. And it dawned on me why don't you just get up and talk to God? You got a lot of things on your plate, a lot of things on your list, and they're feeling heavy to you. Why don't you just talk to God? You know, sometimes we forget the real basic thing about living a Christian life, how we must depend on God. It's not our planning. It's not our giftedness. It's not our access to, uh, to other people. It is always that we must learn how to depend on God. 
And I'm telling you something. I got up and I left my bedroom, went into my office, and I started praying. And you know what? The load got what? Much lighter. And the Lord helped me to see beyond my circumstances. Sometimes when we're just so involved with our circumstances, we can't see God. We're consumed by what's going on in our life, and we never connect with the life of God to understand maybe we're going through something so that we can understand and trust him and get away from our own dependence upon ourselves and learn how to trust in the Lord. And so priority access to the Father, we see this in the life of Jesus, that he is gaining direction from God, but also he's devoted to God's will, in that he prayed all night. But why? When Jesus prays in the Gospel of Luke, it is really for particular things that make sense to the plan of God. He is following the plan of God. In Luke chapter 3, if you recall, as you have walked through this gospel, in verse 21, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was what? Baptized. And while he prayed. You know, think about it. When you've seen someone get baptized, have, have y'all connected with them praying while this event was going on? While he prayed, it says the heaven was opened. But look at verse 23. And it says, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. You see, in Jesus' prayer, he was following the plan of God to be baptized, but he was praying because he knew that this would be the beginning as he embarked on his mission. Behold, the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, you are my beloved son, so in you I am well pleased, the Father said. And now Jesus begins his earthly ministry. It is prayer by which he embarks upon the assignment of the Father. But not only in chapter 3 of Luke, we also see in chapter 5, if you will, in verse 16, it says this about Jesus and prayer. In fact, you can go through this gospel according to Luke and see prayer everywhere, whether Jesus is praying himself or whether he is teaching about prayer. But in verse 16, it says, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and what? And prayed. Why? Look at verse 15. However, the report of Jesus healing the leper went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And when this occurred, what did Jesus do? He withdrew himself to pray. Now, beloved, we would do something totally different than this, right? If God used us in a powerful way, we will plan ourselves a tour so that everyone could experience our wonderful power and greatness, so they could be in our presence and see how gifted we are. 
But when it happened and the report went about about what Jesus did, Jesus withdrew himself to do what? To pray. Why? Listen, beloved. Sometimes popularity does something to us that we need to be careful about. It takes us away from our focus. It takes us away from our mission. And we must remember that we must stay in focus and in tune to what God is doing and accomplishing in our lives. And so when all of this is going on, why doesn't he continue? He withdraws himself to pray and to keep focus on what the Lord is doing in his life. We see Jesus, he's teaching, he's healing, but popularity is not his goal. He's revealing to them the Father so that they would understand that they may have salvation and redemption and forgiveness of their sin. But beloved, as we come to our text today, as we talk about prayer and the priority of access to the Father, we see what's happening here in verse 12, and it says, Now it came to pass in those days. What days? Well, you should have been taught last week about the healing on the Sabbath and what a glorious work God did on that day because he is God. But everyone didn't respond positively to what God had done. And in fact, if you look in verse 11, it says, But they, the Pharisees, were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. They weren't so happy about God's power in his life. They were filled with rage, and they wanted to do something to Jesus. And guess what? He knew, right? Listen, beloved. We must pray to maintain focus on what God is doing in our lives. There will, become, there will come times where people will do things to take you off course, where they will, where they will put rage on your space in life. They will decide that they're going to do something to you to harm you, to take you out of your walk with God. But you must pray and stay focused. And it came to pass in those days when this was going on, when the Pharisees were thinking, filled with rage about what they might do to harm Jesus. It's in those days that he went out to the mountain to do what? To pray. Now, if Jesus had gotten wrapped up into the rage of others who were attacking him, he would not focus on what God wanted him to do. If Jesus has turned his attention to what other people were doing to him, he would lose sight of the goal and the plan of God. But what does he do? He prays. Oh, beloved, we can learn a whole lot about what's going on in our walk with God is when people do things, if you will, to cross us, to, to show us their rage, that we will begin to pray and see the bigger plan of God so that we won't lose sight, we won't lose our way, that we will stay in tune with the Father and what he's doing. Perhaps it just may be a test for you to demonstrate that you walk with Christ and you need to pray. But here we see Jesus praying to God. Why? Because the Savior does not have time to deal with the rage of the Pharisees. The most important event in his ministry, other than the cross and his resurrection, is about to take place. Did you hear what I said? The most important thing to him, 
other than the cross and the resurrection is about to take place. Now, I want you all to walk with me in this gospel according to Luke to understand this. One of the most important things that Jesus would do in his life was to pull aside 12 men and to walk with them in a discipleship relationship. It is the most important aspect of his ministry other than the cross and the resurrection. So where does that fit you? You know, sometimes we think our lives aren't important. We think what we can do in serving God and fulfilling God's plan is secondary to the popular people or to the preacher or to whoever else everybody gathers around. But I'm telling you something. God is discipling each and every one of you to be more like his son, and you are important to him. Your life is. Don't miss the priority of your life and your access to God to fulfill the plan of God. Now, Jesus prays so that he can put this behind him about the rage of the Pharisees and what they might do because he knows the one that is going to do everything in his life and fulfill it completely. Don't worry about what others can do. Know what God is going to do. And we can focus that way in prayer. Oh, beloved, pray before you are ever going to make a serious decision in your life. Please pray. Oftentimes we do and then pray and ask God to come along with us. No, before you do it, make sure you are praying. And if it's very important, perhaps maybe you ought to spend all night doing it. That's what our Savior did. Not only should you pray, but make sure you persist. Again, all night, persist in maintaining focus on what God is doing in your life and not so much what we want to accomplish. Listen, beloved, we get this, we get this twisted, don't we? We have a plan for our life, and we want God to bless it. We know what God wants us to do. Well, I just want to tell you right now, I have no clue what God wants me to do. I oftentimes discover it as I'm walking with him. Oh, that's what you want. Now, sometimes I am right, but a lot of times, not so much. Why? God always wants us in a position of trust. When we walk with God, more and more we realize we don't have control of anything. And if you think you have control, then you don't have control of anything. I'm always amazed about the father of faith, Abraham, right? God said, go to a land that I will show you. How many, would you, how many of you would do that? No, you would analyze. Let's see. What's the route? Can I plan for it before I go? Do I have enough resources to handle the trip? You know, because I want to be responsible for my family. Right? As if though God doesn't know about you or your family. 
Do we ever get to the place where we are like the father of faith, Abraham, and we are willing to go, not being concerned about what we have to take care of the journey, knowing that the father will take care of us on the journey, that he has a plan and purpose, and whatever it is, I'm going to trust in him. Very few people have authentic faith because we always keep a crutch around us. A safety net. But beloved, we are understanding what Jesus is doing here, and he has priority access to the Father, and we too, as believers in Christ, have what? Direct access to the Father through him. To follow the plan of God, we must understand that we must put prayer as a priority first before we do and not ask God to join us after we've already made our plan. Verse 13, not only do we see the priority of access to the Father, but secondly, we see the divine appointment of followers of Jesus. The divine appointment of followers of Jesus. He prayed all night for what? That he might, his life might be spared from the Pharisees? No. He prays to fulfill the plan of God. And look at what it says here. When it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. (laughs) First of all, we look at his divine appointment of followers of Jesus. We see their selection. When Jesus prayed to the Father, the Father showed him, guess what, who it was that he was to select. Now, hardly any of us would select someone who would betray us, would we? Hmm? Hardly would we do that. But Jesus knew that even Judas had to fulfill what? The Scripture. The plan of the Father. So guess what? It was a choice that he made and knew well, was well aware of it from the time he chose him. You, listen, you all. In this Christian life, we're going to have adversity and difficulty. We need to learn how to work with those and walk with those who seemingly are successful in their walk with God. Also, those who seemingly are not successful with that walk with God. That is discipleship. You know if you really love someone, you walk with them when they're winning and when they're losing. Everybody likes to walk around people when they're winning. But when they're losing, are you there? Are you walking with them? Are you loving them? Oh, beloved, we see the divine appointment of followers of Jesus, their selection. How was it that Jesus selected them? First of all, they were acquainted with the Lord. They knew of him. Not only were they acquainted with him, they decided to abandon other things to walk and follow with him. Are y'all hearing me? You see, 
Not only are they acquainted with Jesus, they have made up in their mind that they are going to abandon the things that would hinder them to follow Jesus. But also, we see that they were those who were chosen and they had an assignment that was unique and that would have impact. You see, God has called these 12 disciples, and he's named them apostles. So we see the divine appointment of followers of Jesus, their selection, but also we see they are sent to be the foundation of Jesus's ministry. He pulls them aside, and in verse 13, it says he chose them, selected 12, whom he also named apostles, sent ones. They're just like him. The father so loved the world that he sent, he gave us his only begotten son. And Jesus, in prayer with the father, in concert with him, prayed all night. And the father says, yeah, I've sent you. You've got to go to the cross. And when you go to the cross and you're raised again, it is these that I told you to pick that will carry forward the ministry and my plan and fulfill it. And so Jesus had to pull the disciples and then train them and walk with them. Why? Because they will be part of the plan of God. Isn't that true? We have the Gospels, which talk about the life of Christ. And then we have the book of Acts, which tells us about the life of the apostles or the life of the Holy Spirit in the apostles. To do what? To be the foundation of the church. These apostles in Ephesians tells us that they are the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The apostles and prophets, the foundation. But they are chosen because Jesus prayed all night in devotion to God's will. And we see this divine appointment, their selection. They are sent, but beloved, guess what? They are not self-made men. Listen, beloved, they are not self-made men. In fact, their call is God's call. It is not their choice. It is his choice. And it's important to notice these things. They are not only those men who follow Jesus. They are not men who are, listen, who are kept by their own conveniences. They are not men who are on their own doing their own thing. And they did not get a calling because of their own personal calculations. If there's anyone who measures themselves by their own qualifications, by their own pedigree, you know, they determine this is the process I want to carry out, that you may not have that call. You just dreamed up something you wanted to do. But we see that it is the Father who told Jesus who it is that he wanted to be the apostles. And they were called in spite of who they are as men. Not only do we see the divine appointment of followers of Jesus, their selection, they are sent. But thirdly, <laughs> the average Joe. This is who they are. Praise God. Praise God. 
Isn't it amazing? Sometimes the only people God can use are those who went to a certain seminary or those who were raised up in this kind of family or those who are successful in this business or those who, you know, we find as qualified to do God's work. Let me tell you something. It's only by God's choice that we have the giftedness to do anything in this church. We can do nothing apart from him for his glory. But look at this. The average Joe. Here is the type of person God uses. <laughs> Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James and John, y'all listen to this. You know, sometimes we read lists in Scripture and we just kind of get over with it. No. What if you hear your name in this list? How would you feel? What if you were there and Jesus said, I want you, Peter? Andrew. Hey, James. Sons of Thunder, you. Matthew, come on. Bartholomew. It has a new meaning when role is taken and your name is what? Being called. You see, if you're in God's church now and God has called you to serve somewhere, don't take it lightly as that, you know, I'll only do this. No. You're there for God's purpose, for his plan. When I first served in the church, we were a church plant. And um, I worked in information technology, and God saved me, and I went to this church plant. And, and so we had to set up every week. And so when God saved me, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And guess what I started doing? I started putting chairs out. In every chair, I was praying, Lord, this person's going to sit here, speak to them. Right? Every chair. I'm talking about God. Let this person who sit here hear what you got to say. And putting up chairs took on the what? A whole new meaning. And you know what? It's interesting. Someone else saw me setting out chairs, and they wondered what I was doing. I said, I'm putting out chairs because I know God is going to bless this person. He's going to speak today. This is a, a unique moment. And guess what they wanted to do? Put chairs out. Some of the things we do in service to God, we need to understand. We ought to honor God by saying, thank you for allowing me to serve you wherever it is. Whatever you want me to do, God, guess what? That's what I'll do. Look, this is God's plan. This is God's church. It's not for us to accomplish our goals in. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's not our church. It's not our ministry. I know we use those terms, but guess what? It's not. It's his. Fulfilling the plan of God. Look at this. Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the, called a zealot, Judas, 
the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became what? A traitor. Called. Hmm. These men, one writer said, had no special qualifications. They were not wealthy men. They had no special social posts. They were not trained theologians, nor were they high-ranking, if you will, churchmen or temple men in this case. But this is the type of person God uses, one who he calls. It's not based on you. It's based on his calling. And you walk in obedience to him. And guess what? The task is not measured by their abilities. Because <laughs> it never tells us anything about their ability to do anything. You know, when I was preparing this message and looking and studying the text, I just thought about what it meant to be to just give your life to the Lord. Remember, these men ran into Jesus. And when they ran into Jesus, all the other things, guess what? All of a sudden didn't matter. That ought to be happening in our churches today. That shouldn't be a foreign thing or strange thing that people do these kind of things. It should be something that we see, we know it, we, just, we spot it, and we go, that is the way it ought to be that people are hungry after God. It's not because people ought to be hungry for God whether or not they have a call to preach. Because we all are saved by the same blood of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. But as I was looking at this and thinking about the disciples as they were following Jesus, can you imagine him calling your name like this? And this song just kind of just rang out. All I once held dear built my life upon. All this world reveres and wars to own. All I thought I once thought gain, I have counted loss. Spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. There is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, also passing gift of righteousness. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater. You're my all. 
You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. You see, when you really love Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's who you're with. And sometimes we get that mixed up. We start doing before we are with him. We come and we serve, but we're really not in relationship with him. It's backwards. When you know him, then you can do something with him. These are the apostles, those who are just average Joes. But that's the type of person God can use. Let me ask you, what is the volume of your life in Christ? Did you hear what I said? What is the volume of your life in Christ? Do people hear what God is doing in you as they watch? Do they sense that you love him this kind of way? That whatever it takes, you set it aside in order to follow Jesus because you have been chosen by him. And all you want to do is follow the plan of God and be part of it. You see, that ought to be in every believer's life. It ought to be that kind of excitement that keeps you strong and going when the times get tough. When you just remember just knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. And so here we have those who have averaged or who are average being called to walk with the master and following the plan of God. And this, beloved, is the priority of Jesus' life until the cross and the resurrection. Walking in discipleship with his apostles, that they may be prepared to carry on the plan and the will of God when he is gone back to be in the glorious presence of the Father. Not only do we see following the plan of God, the priority of access, the divine appointment, the average Joe, and I'm saying this not so much for you to be average, but to understand that God can use you. Right now, your name is before God. Think about it. He knows you. And by the way, he saved all of us from sin. You know, I've been hearing you all this morning. Not you all, Tilford, but. And one of the aspects is that we are sinners saved by grace. And I hear you on that. I really do. But when Paul writes to the Ephesians, what did he say? To the, say it again, to the, to the, is that the scripture? Are you a sinner or are you a saint? I'm asking. Ah, confused, huh? What does the scripture say? Oh, let's go to Corinth. You know about the church in Corinth, don't you? Do you know about the church in Corinth? He says, to the 
Oh. Who are in what? Come on. Listen, I understand what you're saying. But remember, you're changed. It's not about what you have done. It's what he has done through you. Well, I just read to you what's in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians and what's in the chapter of Ephesians. You can look at Philippi. You can go and look for yourself. It's in the Word. But I understand what you're saying. But thanks be to God, it's not dependent upon who I was. And matter of fact, who I am right now. Because even now, I can say, Lord, thank you for cleansing me from my sin. And 1 John 1, 9 says, guess what? He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, 1 John also says that, guess what? If you don't have sin in your life, you tell her what? All right, now reconcile. But remember whose you are. Because of what Christ has done in your life. Not only do we see the average Joe here, but finally the disciples live in association with Jesus' assignment. Now they are with him. In verse 17, and he came down from that place, that level place, from the mountain where he prayed. He came down, look at this, with them. And stood on a level place and a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And guess what? They were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. So we see Jesus comes down from the mountaintop, and there are now three groups of people. There are now the apostles who were our disciples. There are other disciples who have followed him. And then there's a great multitude of people, all the way from Judea and Jerusalem, all the way to the west, to the sea, to the Mediterranean, Tyre and Sidon, who came to do what? To hear him and to be healed of their diseases. As we look at the disciples, as they live in association with Jesus, we see his popularity with the people. But he always had to be what? Careful of that and prayerful. Because if you know the Gospels, you know what happens to these followers eventually, do you not? That's the very reason he goes where? To the cross. Because guess what? They don't follow him any longer. Not all but most. But also, we see their physical challenges that Jesus addressed. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. One, listen, to have ears to hear, but also to be healed physically. So Jesus is walking with the disciples, and in association with him, the disciples are there seeing the popularity with the people, and we see that Jesus addresses the people and their physical challenges. He heals them of their diseases. By the way, he doesn't pick and choose who he heals. Right? Isn't this amazing? 
Some say today, well, you know what? You have to believe in order to be healed. Jesus just healed everybody. I wish some of these folks who say they could heal would just go down to Grady, if you will, and clean out a whole ward. Because Jesus healed them all of their physical challenges. But also, guess what? Their spiritual conflicts, he healed them. Verse 18, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were what? Healed. We don't have to worry about the unseen world. Greater is he who is within us than he that is in what? The world. We don't have to worry about that. I remember when I first became a believer, I was a little trepid about a few things, right? Fearful until I started learning more about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the dark night didn't mean anything anymore because guess what? Jesus was there. I always, I always say this. Have you ever been caught in a dream and couldn't get out? Just remember to do this. Know that Jesus is wherever you are. Know it. And when those things ever happen, just know, Jesus, you're here with me. I don't know if that ever happens to someone, but you're caught in between awake and sleep. Oh, well. Somebody got blessed by that. I don't know who it was. I did. The disciples live in association with Jesus' as assignment. We see the popularity with the people, their physical challenges. He heals them. Their spiritual conflict, he heals that. But also we see with the people their personal desire for intimacy. People really want to get close to Jesus. And it says this here. And the whole multitude sought to do what? To touch him. Why? For power went out from him and healed them all. But they wanted to get close to him. They wanted intimacy with Jesus. In all these things, the apostles were accompanying him and saw these things. You know, to learn about what it is to walk among popularity, to deal with the issue that you see physical challenges of people and have to minister to them. Isn't that true? And then see people in spiritual conflict and knowing that that's okay. The one who we represent is able to heal you, not only of your physical problems, but also your spiritual ones. Doesn't matter where you are. And know that people really want to be personally touched by God. They want to get close. Their personal desire for intimacy. And these are the things that he's discipling these apostles that they may carry on one day as he walks with them. And beloved, again, this is the priority task of Jesus' assignment. It's only less than the cross and the resurrection because he spends his life teaching them and walking with them as he does the ministry that God sent him to confirm his presence on earth to represent the Father from heaven. And that's why we see the present authority of God revealed. Look at this, following the plan of God. The present authority of God revealed. For power went out from him and healed them all. You know, there's just something about a life that is connected to the Father. It's not self-generated power. It is the very presence of God in action. 
And by the way, it's just not for the called individuals. And I want to say this again. Your life ought to speak volumes about your connectivity with the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. Your life ought to glow in such a way that people know that you have been with Jesus. You're just not an ordinary person walking around. You are one who, are, who is driven by the Spirit of God, governed by the power of God, and you speak God's truth. And people know it, they see it, they sense it, they feel it. And they just want to be around anyone that walks this close to Jesus. Are you that person? Is the volume turned up in your life that people know that you walk with Jesus? Do you know that you have been chosen by God? Do you know that Jesus has saved you from your sins? And if you know this, no one and nothing will stop you from being excited, being driven, being focused to do the will of God. I don't care who attacks you. I don't care what people do to you. You need to drop down and pray and say, Father, what do you want me to do concerning these matters? And God will focus you on his plan and purpose for your life. And all of a sudden, all of those things will start going away. And the load will feel much lighter, although it looks much more difficult to those who are watching. Listen, beloved, we have to understand what it means to follow God's plan to the finish. Oh, beloved, and following the plan of God, it is not necessarily where you are geographically. It isn't. Never will be. It is that we must find our focus on him wherever we are. We must be cognizant of focusing and fixing our eyes on the Lord. Don't just see the powerful things that God does and not be connected to the person of Christ. Every single one of us can talk about what God has done in our lives and seeing the power of God working in around us, and that is wonderful. But make sure you know the person of Jesus Christ. Don't ever leave what matters, and that is following the plan of God to display his glory, to display his love, and to proclaim his salvation to the whole world. Where are you when it comes to following the plan of God? If you don't know, it may be that you're not connected to him at all and you need to have forgiveness of your sin and really have life eternal by asking Jesus to save you and forgive you of your sins and set you free that now you can walk with Jesus and be free indeed. Perhaps you are believers in here, and you know what? The walk is a little dull, although you're going through the motions. Listen, we are, we are masters at smiling through stuff. We are. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just doing fine. Great. I'm living the life. And all the while, you know, on the inside, that's not the case. I wonder if I really am walking with God. What does he want me to do? I don't have any fulfillment. I'm doing stuff, but it's not fulfilling. Well, you know what the problem is? You got to know the person 
and there may be something else that is in the way of you knowing the person. You are acquainted with Jesus, but you haven't abandoned yourself yet. And you know what happens? You never feel fulfilled. Because until you are totally dependent on God, you will not know what it means to have life in Jesus. And if you are here today, and that is the case, make this day a turning point in your life that you reorganize and place God where he belongs. Not beside your plans, but the plan. Listen, beloved, I'm not saying that you have to walk away from your tax collecting business like Matthew. But I am saying this. You need to get the priorities straight in your life. Because in today's world, there are so many things that can come to be first place in your life rather than the Lord. And church attendance does not fix any of that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that we would fulfill your plan. Thank you for Jesus, the supreme example of demonstrating dependence upon you, Father. May we be disciples that model that life before you, that we would access you to know your way to know your purpose, not only in saving us from our sin, but also what you would have for us to accomplish in this world for the ministry and mission that you have left us to do on behalf of Jesus. Lord, bless your people. Lead and guide them. Bless this church. Continue to use the folks in this place to be lights of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.